This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Caleb J., Israel, Emmeline, Sam VR, and Levi. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, when we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Caleb J., who asks, Is there a reason that God put chapters and verses in the Bible? I hate to break it to you, Caleb, but there isn't a reason that God put chapters and verses in the Bible, because God didn't put chapters and verses in the Bible. The Bible wasn't divided into chapters until the Middle Ages, around A.D. 1200 or so. And it took a few more centuries for verse numbers to be added, which happened during the 1500s. So the chapter and verse divisions that we find in Scripture are not inspired. They are man-made tools designed to help you navigate the text better, in the same way that some Bibles have footnotes and cross-references or explanatory notes. The people who added the chapter and verse breaks did their best, but sometimes they divided chapters in the middle of a single passage or divided a long sentence into different verses. As helpful as it is to have these numbers, just remember that it's good sometimes to ignore them and follow the flow of the text, not the breaks. And now Israel asks, Why did Jesus die on the cross when he did nothing wrong? Israel, it was actually because Jesus had committed no sin that he was the only person able to die for us on the cross. In the Old Testament, sacrifices had to be of unblemished animals. Only an unblemished animal could be offered on the altar. When it was killed, its blood symbolically covered the sin of the people. But these sacrifices didn't really pay for sin. They just signaled that a real sacrifice would come one day. Jesus was that sacrifice. That's why when we celebrate communion, we say the words of 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. We are the ones who sinned, who did wrong. And without Jesus, we would have to pay for our own wrongdoing ourselves. But at the cross, he did that for us, which is why we believe and trust in him for our salvation. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Emmeline. Let's give her a round of applause. Here's Emmeline's question. Who was John Calvin, and what did he say, and why do we believe what he said? Emmeline, two of these questions are easy to answer, and one of them is hard. It's easy to explain who Calvin was and why we appreciate what he said. It's harder to say what he said simply because he wrote a lot. The two most important things he wrote were probably his theology book called The Institutes of the Christian Religion, and then his commentaries on the Bible. But he also wrote many letters and essays and treatises and prayers, too. But let's start at the beginning. John Calvin was a French reformer who lived in the 1500s. 
He didn't start the Reformation, but he became one of its leading figures because he had a talent for interpreting scripture and worked to reform the church according to what the Bible taught. Originally, Calvin had trained to be a lawyer, and he was a humanist scholar. In other words, he studied the Greek and Roman classics that had been rediscovered during the Renaissance. But early in the Reformation, he became a convert to Christ, and he devoted his energies to the task of Bible study. Now, he was a sharp, clear thinker and an excellent teacher, which meant that the first edition of his book, The Institutes, was hugely popular. You might think of the Institutes as a kind of training manual in Bible doctrine. Now, over the course of his life, he revised it over and over, adding more and more until it became quite comprehensive. If it had been up to Calvin, he would have lived the rest of his life as a scholar, reading and writing. But God had other plans. The work of reform needed leaders, and the men leading the Reformation in France and Switzerland quickly saw Calvin's gifts and convinced him to take a role. So he became a pastor involved in reforming the worship of the church, in helping to spread the gospel throughout Europe, and in advising people everywhere on how the scriptures should be understood. Now, Calvin was not the only one doing this work, and it would have surprised him that later generations would start referring to the theology of the Reformation as Calvinism. In fact, I'm pretty sure he would have hated that, because his goal wasn't to start something new, but to recover the faith once delivered to the saints. But having said this, the reason we still read Calvin's work and refer to him is that God really used his gifts to illuminate the doctrines of Scripture. For example, Calvin's commentaries on the Bible are one of the sources I return to again and again. It's not that he always gets things right, nobody's perfect after all, but his insights are consistently rich and deeply biblical. Whenever I hear someone say that they don't appreciate Calvin, I always wonder whether they've read him. Because people who've read him, even if they disagree with him, tend to recognize how valuable his contributions were. Having said all this, it's not really a question of believing what Calvin said. At its best, Calvin's writing tries to do the same thing that the Westminster Confession of Faith tries to do. They're not trying to say something of their own. They're trying to help us understand what the Bible says more clearly. Our faith is not in what any of these thinkers, brilliant as they were, might have written, but rather in the God they were writing about. It's important to remember this with any human author, whether your heroes are Augustine or Thomas Aquinas or Tim Keller or Marilyn Robinson. Ultimately, you shouldn't take their word for it. You should study the scriptures and see whether they're right. The beautiful thing is that God has given us so many good interpreters to learn from. I'm grateful every day for what God did through John Calvin, because through Calvin, I came to know God more. But my confidence is not in Calvin, it's in Christ. And Calvin would have told you exactly the same thing. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first question is from Sam VR, who wants to know, do you like the Vikings? Sam, this is a difficult question, because I do like some things about the Vikings, and other things I don't. I like Viking swords, for example. I like Viking longboats, but I'm not a fan of things like burning down monasteries and destroying books and massacring innocent people. I'm not really down with that. I also don't like helmets with horns on them either, but actually the Vikings didn't really wear those, so I guess that's not a big deal. 
but <laughs> I know you're not actually asking me about those Vikings. I'm just kidding. You're probably asking about the Vikings, right? The, the TV show, The Vikings. To be honest, I love history, and so I'm always rooting for any historical TV show to get the details right. And I think this show made a good effort in some ways, but I still don't think I can recommend it for pure accuracy. I mean, that is what you were asking about, right? And now Levi wants to know, what is your favorite video game? Well, Levi, it may not surprise you to know that I don't play video games anymore. The most I can do these days is watch other people play. I watched my nephews play Donkey Kong recently, and that was kind of fun, but I'd rather be reading a book, to be honest. The last video game that I played was more of a nostalgia thing. It was a game from my youth called Pac-Man. I happened to be staying at a place that had one of those old freestanding Pac-Man arcade games, so I decided to give it a try. And I was really terrible at it. Although, to be honest, I was never very good at Pac-Man, even as a kid. These days, the closest I get to playing video games is probably doing the crossword on my phone, but I don't think that really counts. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking the big questions.